We have a need for air. We have a need for water. We have a need for food, for shelter. We also have a need to be loved. And part of feeling loved, especially for a person who is more sexual, is sexual love. Hey, you're listening to the Blessed Couple Podcast, where we talk about how to do this marriage thing and experience God in the process. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Let's get started. Now that you've set the stage, you've prepared the battlefield, you've got the music, you've got the sound, the kids are taken care of cunningly for the next 45 minutes. All the things that she was worried about at work are done. Now it's time to get it off. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Right. So let's say that like every other couple, and we said that we touch back on this, you experience a difference of desire. So in our couple, my sexual desire, my drive is higher than Kristoff's. And that's pretty normal for pretty much every couple we've met. So if you have an equally matched sex drive, you're an alien. I don't know. Maybe you're not. But you're... Facing a challenge that pretty much all couples face. Yeah, well, one person wants it more than the other person. Right. What are you going to do? Right? Like, you set up the entire stage. Now the person says, I don't really like having sex right now. So the first thing to say is, just because they said having sex right now is not what they want to do, does not mean it's not going to happen forever. It's just right now. So sometimes you just need to be patient. I just want to make that clear as well, right? Right. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean a year from now or a month from now or a week from now, it could mean 30 minutes from now. And as the guy who has right now the lower sex drive, just because I'm not interested in it right at this exact moment does not mean I might change my mind in 30 minutes. Right. And pressuring your spouse or judging your spouse or making them feel guilty, that is not the way to go about it. We should always love and respect each other's boundaries. And we should always be looking for that enthusiastic, loving consent when it comes to a sexual experience. So having a higher sex drive, when our kids were small, a struggle that we had was finding time to make love. And Christoph is a very patient man. He has a lot of self-control. He's very mindful and meditative. He doesn't have the same needs as a regular, ordinary human being. So I was like, well, the kids are sleeping. Hey, they're probably going to take a nap for, I don't know, 15 minutes. Hopefully, let's have sex. It's our chance. And he's like, I just feel like it's quickie sex. If we start having quickie sex now, all the sex we're going to have is quickie sex. And I was like, well, I feel like quickies are kind of like cookies. I mean, you can't live on them. They're not like the most nutritious food ever, but they're delicious. And it's, you know, if you eat no food, you're going to starve to death. So, <laughs> but Christoph wanted... A gourmet meal. Three courses. No. Five courses. So the discussion that we had after reading a very helpful book, Mars and Venus in the Bedroom, was to have a little negotiation. I acknowledged that his concern was if we started having quickie sex, we would let go of our loving, romantic, connecting, five-course gourmet sexual experience and replace it with quickie sex. And he acknowledged that my concern is if we only ever had sex and we had time and energy and availability to have a five course meal, we would starve to death. And so was it a four to one ratio? Three or four. Yeah. Three or four to one. 
So I would make time for a gourmet sexual experience and I would generally set the stage for that and do the investment. I'd find a way to get the kids out of the house. We had a little babysitting barter with some other young couples and I worked part-time and another mom worked part-time and we had complimentary schedules. So she could take my kids for a few hours. My husband would come home for a lunch break or get off early. And then he would come into a beautifully set romantic room, clean sheets on the bed. There's the wonderful rain sounds. Our fresh laundry candle is lit. And that's not the only thing that was about to be lit. Okay, so there was massage, there was time, there was connecting, there was romance. And for every gourmet meal we had, he made sure that we had at least three to four, we can't remember the exact ratio, cookies. And it worked great for us because every cookie made me mindful of making time and space for that romantic gourmet sexual experience. And that romantic gourmet sexual experience made him more emotionally open and available to quickie sex without the fear of our whole relationship is going to devolve and that's the only kind of sex we'll ever have from now on. So differences of desire can be negotiated. If you are the partner with lower desire, I would like to encourage you to think about your partner's sexual desire as any other need that they have. We have a need for air. We have a need for water. We have a need for food for shelter. We also have a need to be loved. And part of feeling loved, especially for a person who is more sexual, is sexual love. And so someone who has a higher drive, if they're not having that sexual loving experience with their spouse, they can feel like they're starving. And if you really love and care about your spouse, even if you're not particularly interested in having sex all the time, you can mindfully make time to connect and have sex, even if you're not feeling particularly sexy at that time, with the mindset and the heart set that you are caring for your partner. You're filling them up. You're feeding them when they're hungry. You are providing them the love that they need to know how important they are to you. And often, if you do have a lower drive, the more sex you have, the higher your sex drive becomes. It's science. So on that note, even though I may not feel like I have, want to have sex at this given moment, I am never against the idea of giving my wife pleasure. So part of that is also just because you don't feel like having sex, that does not mean you shouldn't make the time to have a romantic connecting moment. A sexual moment. Yeah, because again, sex is not just about intercourse, right? It's about being together and spending time together and also that kind of touch together as well. Right. Right. So, and quite often touching and caressing and being together with, with her made me interested and inclined to have sex. Who would have thought? Right. Shocker. Shocker. So just because you don't feel like it at the moment doesn't mean that you can't begin the process. And also it means that if something goes wrong or if the kids wake up early, or whatever, it does not invalidate all the time and the cuddling and the, the connection that you've built together before that inconvenient interruption. Does that make sense? Right. Often, Christoph is very aware of my feelings, my emotional state. As any couple who live together, you become in tune with each other. You can tell when somebody is tired or frustrated or sad. And what he said is he's never averse to giving me sexual pleasure. That is a really amazing 
game plan to have in place. So if we're snuggling in bed and we're cuddling and he feels the vibes emanating like the maybe could we possibly take this cuddling to the next level vibes, then usually what happens in our relationship is he has a she comes first policy. And that can be our whole sexual experience is Kristoff giving me an orgasm. And as he works very hard at being the best he can possibly be as a husband, as a lover, he is very good at bringing me to orgasm. And so it often isn't a time-intensive labor of love. And generally speaking, when I'm flooded with oxytocin and endorphins and phenylazamine and all these wonderful hormones coursing through my body and I'm feeling amazing and relaxed and sexy and loved, suddenly my husband is also aroused and interested in having even more sex. So it doesn't have to go that way because an orgasm for me can be the whole meal or it can be the cherry on top. And you don't have to have an orgasm every time you have sex for it to be an amazing, pleasurable, wonderful sexual experience. And the same can go for wives too. If you have a husband who has a higher drive than you do, then using your hands, using your mouth, other parts of your body. We can talk more about that in the gender discussion group. All of these things for your husband to have an exciting sexual experience, a climax can be a wonderful way for that person to feel loved and connected. That doesn't necessarily mean you're having penetrative intercourse. Hey, if you're getting something good from this episode, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with someone you love or leave a five-star review because the only way this podcast spreads around is through word of mouth. So a share or a review would go a long way and it only takes like 10 seconds to do. Thanks. Back to the show. So one important thing there is that ironically, the more when we first got together, the more I endeavored to ensure she always got an orgasm, the more frustrating and hard it became to do that sometimes. Because all of a sudden we have this like very difficult goal that we need to reach every single time we get together. It can be daunting. It can be a turnoff as well. Climbing the mountain. Yeah, climbing the mountain can be arduous journey. And you're like, oh, do I really want to climb this mountain or mountain? I can't climb the mountain right now. And sometimes I'm a mental health consumer. So I was on antidepressants. I am, but a different one now. And the one that I was on then made it very difficult to climax. It was a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And people on that medication often have lower sexual desire or they have difficulty orgasming. So climbing that mountain could be daunting. And I sometimes felt frustrated because sex was so enjoyable and so pleasurable and so connecting and so wonderful. For me, an orgasm was the cherry on top. I didn't need to have a cherry on my Sunday every single time. But when Kristoff became so fixated on she has to have an orgasm, it put a lot of pressure on having an orgasm. And orgasms are kind of like cats. I mean, some people have really friendly cats that are just all over them all the time. Well, good for you. Most cats, like the more you want it, the more they're like, no. Or they come over and they're like, hi, just kidding. And then they leave. I mean, guys' orgasms are kind of like dogs. But women's orgasms can be a little unpredictable. They can be a little temperamental. They can be a little elusive sometimes, a little aloof. But when you get it just right, they're purring, and it's fantastic. So what I want to say about that is that trying too hard or focusing on the goal is not the point. The point is to have fun 
and enjoy and feel pleasure together. And there are many, many, many ways to enjoy and have fun and feel pleasure together. Right. Especially if you let go of some kind of arbitrary requirement and just be in the moment together with your spouse. Right. I mean, take an, pretty much any activity that you do, you can make it sexy, as Christoph said. And you can even make it very sexy. For example, eating. Not necessarily a sexy activity, but if you have something that's a sexier food, maybe an aphrodisiac like oysters or something spicy or a delicious dessert, and one or both of you is naked and or in lingerie and you're feeding your spouse that delectable, sumptuous food, and you follow it up with maybe some kissing and some touching, that can be a very sexy experience. It doesn't have to be about an end goal. The journey is the end goal. So pretty much anything you do, you can make it sexy and fun. And it can be hard to feel like, oh, they're saying have fun, but we're really struggling and they don't understand. Some couples have real problems. I think all couples have real problems. And we're saying make it fun, but that's not to minimize or to gloss over or or invalidate anybody's serious experience. Many couples, if not most, one partner has some kind of sexual trauma that they've experienced. In the United States of America, one in four women are sexually assaulted. So if one of you is dealing with trauma, if you're dealing with a physical experience, there are some couples who have medical conditions, surgeries. There's all kinds of real challenges, limitations even, parameters that can be on your sexual experience. And to say, oh, just have fun, you know, so that's not what we mean. We mean that no matter what your situation is, if you're in that space where you're willing and you're engaging in sexual energy and sharing that experience together, take the pressure off. Take the, um, this kind of evaluation that you're ticking all the boxes, that you're doing it right, that you both have an orgasm every time. Take all those expectations and that pressure off and make the goal to just feel good with each other. And you can be silly, and you can get an instructional manual or a sexy board game or a sexy deck of cards. I'm telling you, there is literally no limit to the ideas and props that other people have created to bring spice and fun into your sex life. Just go to Amazon. I didn't know this, but there is a Kama Sutra board game, and we had a lot of fun playing it. So. If you're in an area where you're struggling with something, then rather than trying to see that as a big obstacle, maybe you can imagine that it's just a stone in the river of your relationship and the water can flow around it for now. And later on, further down the stream, that stone doesn't exist anymore. And that's okay. So sex changes for lots of reasons. One of the reasons is hormonal, which we've discussed. Women having these hormonal shifts and surges, feeling really sexy and springtime and available when you're ovulating and feeling a little bit colder and wintertime when you're menstruating, all of that is totally normal. And after you go through menopause, it's also completely normal to make a lot less lubrication for your labia and the tissue in your vagina to be thinner, more delicate maybe even more sensitive to the point of discomfort. So there are a lot of reasons why sex changes that are normal 
and can be embraced and rather than judged or, you know, feeling like this is a big obstacle or this is frustrating, like vaginal dryness if you're breastfeeding. So we talked a little bit about it, coconut oil. It's a great lubricant. But there are other things that you can do if you're facing those limitations or those challenges because it inspires and creates an opportunity for you to be creative and to flow around them. And once again, if you're experiencing a challenge, you're not the only one. You may think nobody else is experiencing sex after a hysterectomy or nobody else is experiencing a complete loss of sexual desire of one partner or nobody else is experiencing that after years of having a loving sexual relationship, suddenly past sexual trauma of your spouse has come up for them and they're completely stopped and overwhelmed by that. You might think that you're the only one, but you're not. There are so many couples that are sharing those same challenges that you're sharing. So as we said, you can reach out to us, but also reach out to each other. Take some time to do a little research. There are so many books written about challenges and struggles that couples face. And there are lots of resources on the internet for free. So if you have the mindset of this is something that we're facing, how can we flow around this? What are the resources that are available to us? Whether it's a counselor that you're working with, recommended to you from the Bless Family Ministries website, or it's a book that you order off of Amazon, or it's a simple Google search, picking up the phone and speaking to another blessed couple that you trust and have confidence in. There is a way that you can find to flow around that obstacle. So maybe the other thing to say about that is that um, you will face stresses and pressures on your marriage throughout your life. And those pressures can drive you apart or they can push you together. And it's about reacting in a way that brings you together and does not shut down yourself from your partner. That's really important because together those struggles and those stresses could bring you closer. You can share that burden and lessen it and overcome it, or it can drive you apart and it can fracture marriages if you let it. So proper communication and being together and helping each other is really important to overcome not just trauma and really big things, but little things as well, because sometimes those little things can become big things too. Right. Right. It's about, like Christoph said, having a mindful attitude towards your sexual relationship, having that mindset of doing things intentionally and with care and not as an afterthought. Hey, if you want to improve your relationship or take your sex life to the next level, well, you're in luck because more than 70% of couples that take our love and integrity course said that the quality of their sexual relationship improved after joining the course. Sounds good? You can join the program today with your spouse or just take the course by yourself at loveandintegrity.com. See you in the next episode.